Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time to talk jazz basketball. With the radio play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. With Hans Olsen and Scotty G. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The Zone. Your NBA Finals are now set. we got a rematch from last year. Cleveland Cavaliers taking on the Golden State Warriors. Tremendous Game 7 last night. And to break it down, it's the best. David Locke joins us now. Hey, David. Hey, David. Hey, guys. How are you? I'm good. How much? All right. You know, analytics, analytics. how much fun did you just have from a basketball enjoyment standpoint watching that game last night? Oh, it was great. That whole series was great. I mean, with the outside storylines, the abundance of outside storylines also, I think, made it better with whether it was knees to certain areas or feet to certain areas and then big versus small and, and there was a lot. And then the game itself was, was great. I, I thought um, I actually usually watch the game with Twitter on and kind of there's so many guys out there. It's such a great thing kind of share the experience. And last night I did the opposite. I, I just wanted to watch the game with kind of watching it myself and um, I, I just thought the level of brilliant play was just was just stunning. I mean, really, truly, the the level of play last night blew my mind. Um, almost every play, I just I found myself saying like, "Wow, it was amazing by so and so," or another amazing by somebody else. You know, whether it was just a traffic rebound or a defensive rotation, or Draymond at one point made a play where he he cut somebody off baseline and blocked a shot on the other side and. Um, there was another one early in the third quarter where Steph got a two-on-one flip to Iguodala, but Ibaka closed ground so fast that Iguodala couldn't get the shot off, and then he had to throw it back out. And next thing you know, they had almost a shot clock violation, where at one point they had a two-on-one when he's when Steph, you know, switched or split a pick and roll. So I just the level of effort, the level of excellence. Uh, I thought it was stunning. I, you know, I thought it was eye-opening to what level that they played last night. How different it is than what you. You know, hey, those are two of the two, maybe the two best teams in the NBA, really. You know, when OKC was up three-one, we uh, Scotty and I started to really call into question the ability of Steve Kerr. You know, talking about well, he's got amazing shooting talent. How good of a coach is he? And he brought Andre Iguodala into the starting lineup last night for the first time, or sorry, the second time. Uh, throughout the entire season, David, and I felt like the passing and the defense that held Kevin Durant without a shot until about the 5.30 minute mark in the uh, first quarter was just a, a great decision, a good coaching decision. Well, you're in the second half of game six, too. Iggy Dahl started the second half of game six. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was brilliant. I thought Steve Kerr was brilliant last night. Just if you take, you know, those, obviously those uh, – Huddle interviews are edited to not give away any strategy. You know, that's the agreement with the coaches is that there's no strategy that can ever be given or any plays or anything that any team can use as, 
that would be helpful to them. And so you only get kind of the powder puff stuff, but the powder puff stuff was awesome. You know, Hey guys, you were down 13, the same amount, uh, on the road and you turned out and you were fine. Um, Hey, that's, this feels like this game just started. That's the first time we've been us keep with it. You'll get a flow. I thought the messages he was sending were incredible. And then his consistency throughout the year of using his entire bench and, uh, finding a way to keep everybody engaged, whether it's Ian Clark, who didn't obviously play, or just that bizarre move to go to Barbosa and Livingston at the end that uh, turned out to work. Or, uh, Bar- yeah, Barbosa and uh, Verizal that worked. Uh, his his strength in numbers is real, and they believe in it, and it, it gives them an awful lot because of it. Um, I'm a little curious to know your thoughts on Clay Thompson. Obviously, tremendous shooter, sets the record in Game 6. Uh, take Clay Thompson off and... Uh, Put him on another team, and I know I'm kind of know where you're going with this. But uh, when I ask, but is Clay Thompson Clay Thompson somewhere else? You know, I'm 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 hedging more that maybe he is. I have usually been no, and I, I probably need to evolve a little bit my thinking on Clay Thompson. You know, three years ago, Clay Thompson threw the least amount of passes of any player in the NBA, and so I really soured on him, and that was maybe because of Mark Jackson, and then he evolved with Steve Kerr and there's no question that Clay Thompson gets more room because everyone's focused on Steph Curry and Steve Kerr brilliantly runs a lot of picks that run Curry and Thompson off each other and they create um, things but he's evolved as a player I think if we went and watched his uh, Washington State film or even watched his first two or three years in the league his release is so much faster than it ever used to be it's 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 truly amazing um, his ability to get shots off, the freedom that Steve Kerr and the Warriors have given him to be able to just kind of almost play with with an unabashed ego uh, has given him the opportunity to really um, to, to strive. So I, he'd have to play in the right system. I mean, he'd have to have a really special coach who kind of gives him the same environment. And playing with Steve Kerr and the pick setting of Andrew Bogut is definitely, you know, makes you better. But I'm probably closer to giving Clay Thompson the due he probably has to. I've probably been slow on, on acknowledging what he's able to do on his own accord. Um, you know, if he was the number one option somewhere else, I, I don't think he'd be as efficient, but probably deserves some, some more credit than I've been giving him in the past. Wow, that's not where I expected you to go with that. Very well, I mean, he won the series for him. He really, you no, know, I know. I, game six. You got to keep, you know, yeah. you got to keep your eyes open. I, I mean, when he's, the thing that's interesting about him is when he, he's really bad. Um, you know, I mean, he had his first, he missed his first seven shots, but he also had a mental lapse where he allowed an inbound pass across the key for a layup in that game last night. And in a game where possession by possession is going to really matter, stuff like that just blows my mind when a player of his ilk does some things like that. And he does it with some regularity, but I still think you've just got to give him the props to, of what he's been able to do and how he's evolved. He really, he's become somewhat remarkable. Scott and I were talking about this, his team's ability to continue to feed him and, and provide him those opportunities instead of backbiting and, and getting nasty and, and start to cut him off. It was crazy because, like you were talking about, coming back from that 13-point lead and the way Steve Kerr kind of handled that, the way the team handled it, and then watching OKC be down by a point or two points and watching their body language and their demeanor and the way they started attacking each other, it, it just – felt awkward and uncomfortable and damaging to OKC. I'm sorry. Give me the key crux of that question again. I got a bunch of things going on right now. I'm trying to, I was trying to listen to two people. One, give me a kind of a thesis of that sentence and I'll try to build off it. My apologies. Watching Oklahoma city kind of backbite and, 
start to get nasty when they were at a one or two point deficit as opposed to Golden State continuing to feed a Clay Thompson that was 0 and 7 at the time. Yeah, I mean I think I mean Reggie Miller was really on that, right? You couldn't yeah. see it on TV. That was that was something where I thought you know, you always talk about is a game better on TV or in the arena. It's far better why scouts go to games to watch games because um you know, they showed Durant talking on the bench with Mark Bryant, and then there was a timeout. I would have done anything for a camera on Durant to see how he interacted with his teammates when they came in at that moment. Right. You know, that would have told me an awful lot. Miller was talking about how bad their body language was and how much they were infighting. And i got to be honest, on television, I couldn't see that. But I have to trust him. He was doing, I think that's great work on his part. That that's, And I'm not sure that even though that's the best crew in the league game, I'm not sure I thought that the TNT TV did anything to show me what he was saying other than that one little snippet. And maybe it's too hard to show to their defense. I don't know how, they don't know what I'm looking for. Um, but clearly that's what they said. There's something about being a champion in Hanson. I mean, it's a great you know what? That's what the Warriors were last night, right? They, they were the champion, and I, I talked about today on Locked On Jazz as just you don't have any doubt. Like you just have earned the right that you've lost any self doubt or any concern about yourself. Um, the, but the question then is, like, are you a champion and then you win, or by winning do you become a champion? But once you are a champion and have that in your back pocket. There's no question you're different, whether it's Roger Federer or Rafael Nadal on a tennis court or whether it was the Warriors last night or the Rockets under law. Right? I mean, there's just no question. I mean, we can even run through with Carl and John who never got the championship, but they – you know, they'd lose at one level and then make it to the next and then lose at that level for a while before they made it to the next. And the Warriors just have this aspect to them that they had no doubt. They had, you know, and I thought it was interesting on TNT last night when Kenny Smith said, um, when Kenny Smith said, when he was asked, well, what was your, he's like, well, we never doubted. And that's because they'd won a championship. So that Rocket team never doubted. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, I don't know what order that happens, but it's, it's, it's some level, you know, obviously you, you find a way to figure out how to win. And the Warriors have done that and the Thunder haven't yet. And um, I thought some of the commentators on the Thunder were a little harsh. Um, I, I got Barkley and Shaq's love for Canner and Adams. And, um, but you know, I, this is the same way I felt about Scott Brooks um, with Scott Brooks when he was the coach, and that is that I, I'm not sure I, I think that's entirely fair. So Cantor's a bad passer, and Adams is a bad passer, and Ibaka's not a great passer. And so if they go start sharing the ball, like all those commentators are saying, then Westbrook and Durant don't get it back. And earlier in this conversation, you complimented the Warriors for the fact that Durant didn't take a shot until the five-minute marker for the first Well, I certainly don't want that in the last five minutes of the game. So I'm not sure that this idea that Westbrook and Durant go and get selfish is a fair criticism of Oklahoma City. The Warriors aren't selfish because Iguodala's a good passer, Barnes is a good passer, Green's a good passer, Bogut's an elite-level passer. And, you know, you don't see them playing Festus Azili at that point because he's a bad passer. And so I, I think the value in all this is how important passing is, uh, more than maybe some other skills that we look at and we fall in love with. Because uh, if they start moving the ball and doing the things those guys were saying, Duran and Westbrook never see it again. The Warriors love that. David Locke, play-by-play voice of the Jazz, joining us here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Um, maybe uh, let's uh, let's take a look at this Cleveland series. Is there anything, in your opinion, that leads you to believe that we may have a different outcome than we had last year? 
No, I mean, I've obviously been very high on the Warriors, and I don't think that I can, you know, when I, I when they start, when that series started, I did a thing about why Oklahoma City could beat Golden State, and, you know, it, was, it all came to fruition, and they still didn't beat them. Um, I can't imagine, I really think Cleveland can do what what happened to them, to the Warriors here in the same fashion. I thought the Thunder were, were really pretty amazing. So, now, with that said, the one thing that the, the Cavaliers can do is match them three-point shot for three-point shot. And so they, they're not going to have that analytical edge on the extra points from behind the arc because Cleveland takes just as many threes, if not more, than the Warriors. And, in fact, that edge might go the other way. So that's, that's the – and, you know, the best player on the floor will, will arguably play for Cleveland. It's just superhuman and incredible. But LeBron is still let's – not, let's not devalue who LeBron is. He's – I think if you ask 30 general managers in the league if you could have one of these two guys for a seven-game series, I, I think it would probably come out about 15 to 15. David Locke here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Uh, jazz workouts continue on. Uh, as we, we played some of Walt Perrin's comments from earlier today. Um, how much of these workouts are also centered around what they're trying to accomplish for the Stars? A lot of it. A lot of it. And I think they also like to be able to have these guys in the house to be able to interview them and talk to them for a minute or two and, and just get to know who they are. So then if you see, you know, somebody who's has a, suddenly has a little success surge and you're like, you know what, he was incredible when we interviewed him. Then you know, hey, wait, that there, there might be some real legitimacy to that. There, or if, you know, the vice versa, wow, he was a real punk. And we really, you know, talking to him was a disappointing experience. Maybe, you know, if a team is – let's say it's a high draft pick and you go sit down with him in Chicago, he won't work out for you, but you meet in Chicago and, and you sit down and you're like, wow, he's really arrogant and he's going to, he's tough. And then all of a sudden midway through the first or second year, that team calls you and says, Hey, are you interested in? And you're like, Oh, I now know why they're interested in, uh, in trading him because they're having problems with the same personality that we thought we were going to. So I think those things are, um, I think those things are really valuable to the organization. Um, to know who these players are. It's a chance to see them up close. And the fact that the Miller family is willing to spend this type of money is a huge statement of their commitment to, to winning and, and willing to give the organization all the tools they need. Great stuff as always, David. We look forward to catching up with you again soon. My pleasure, Hans. My apology on that one. I was trying to conduct multiple things at once. No problems whatsoever, brother.